Hi, everybody. This is Alicia Leshesky. We're here with another episode of CX on Point with Miguel Ramos. How are you doing, Miguel? Alicia, I am doing well. Thank you. Good, good. I'm excited. This is going to be super fun. We have Mark Nolan with us, who we both know, but I'm going to let you take it away um, on kind of teeing up this very cool topic today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, I, I, I'm almost scared to call it vendor management, really. Um, Mark, you, you were the one who actually introduced me many years ago to really uh, the partnership concept and, and partner management. So we're going to talk a little bit about partner management today. But um, before we jump in, Mark, um, for the folks that listen to our podcast that don't know um, uh, who you are, or your background, would love to get a, a quick background on, on Mark Nolan. Miguel, Alicia, so exciting to be um, part of CX On Point uh, this week in my first podcast. So super excited to be joining. Awesome. First one I'm participating in. <laughs> I, a little about myself. So I've had an incredible 33-year career. First 16 and a half um, years of my career was with MBNA. Um, a lot of that on the call center side, whether it was on the collection side, the customer service side, and even back dating myself, the outbound telesale days. Um, and then most recently, 16 and a half years with T-Mobile. Um, and that 16 and a half years just came to an end, but just also just so fortunate to be with two great companies with T-Mobile, um, led the care organization for the last year and a half that I was with T-Mobile. Before that, almost 10 years on the global care side. The global care was a partner management, the vendor management, and all the care operations uh, that we outsourced. Yeah, Mark, as we worked together and we worked together uh, you know, several years ago in, in my previous life, um, the T-Mobile organization and the way you guys worked with partners um, was just amazing. I, I think uh, in my 30, almost five years in the industry, uh, not to outdo you, but I do have a little more gray hair, I think now, I don't know. You're, you're probably catching up. Um, uh, you know, I, I really thought that the process and the way that T-Mobile managed its partners was second to none. Um, you know, really just to kick it off, um, in, in the way that you manage the business, how did you define or how did you really identify the difference in what you believe to be a vendor Versus a partner, is it just a naming convention or was it really a, a difference between the two? Yeah, it is a you know, great question, much more than a name convention. Because when I think of the two names, they resonate loudly. Vendor, supplier, partner, ally. And to me, it, there's a clear difference in how I viewed the relationships. If I was building a vendor management organization, I would build an organization that was, I was hiring others to help just do a job. Much more one-way communication, a lot less collaboration, and um, a lot more us and um, you. Whereas on the partner side, when I think of the partners, it's all about we. It's all about together. And that resonates with communication. And the communication needs to be open. It needs to be transparent. And it needs to be two-way communication. I need to be, as a client, sharing what I want to do, what I want to accomplish, 
how I want to accomplish it, and make sure everyone clearly understands roles and responsibilities. But I also, because I truly believed it helped us deliver the best product, the best service, was open to that two-way feedback and that feedback coming from my partners to say, hey, here's a better way to deliver the plan and achieve the goals, what you want to achieve. Here's ways that we can adjust to do better. So for me, it is all about that vendor in versus partner, the communication, one-way versus two-way, open versus more closed uh, communication method. Yeah, it's amazing. You you mentioned uh, we as well, and it's, it's kind of ironic in the sense that, um, Alicia, I think it was two podcasts ago, we did a podcast with um, a, a former colleague, much like yourself, that just wrote a book on corporate culture and excellence. And it's all about we, right? It's all about creating that, that uh, culture of, of accountability and togetherness, right? And uh, it's amazing that that was really some of the ideas and some of the thoughts that you brought into managing uh, the partner organization at, at T-Mobile. What were, um, you know, as you looked at um, that partner organization, what were some of the best practices that, that you put in place to really drive that, that operation? And you guys, um, I will tell you, one of the things that I loved um, about what you did, probably the, uh, all the other partners didn't love it as, as much, but you guys did an amazing job putting together things like stack ranking of the partners and really helping us mm-hmm. understand where we felt and where we fell in that ecosystem of, of different partners. That, Miguel... I think that's such a great example, especially when I say open communication, transparency. Because if we set the vision and ultimate goals that we want to achieve together, everyone needs to understand how we do along the way. And it doesn't matter if it's looking at internal call centers or my partner call centers. There's always, you know, we live in the world of call centers. You live in the world of stack rankings. And what to me, the importance of the stack ranking is it created motivation um, for folks to want to get to the top. We used it for recognition. It also created, and believe it or not, you manage your partners and the partnerships the right way. You have that open communication. You build trust. There's an example Miguel, I went to visit one of our sites in the Philippines, and I was reviewing the plan that the site director had, how they're improving the performance. And I remember I was giving the site director feedback. I loved a couple of the things that they had done. And they're like, Mark, I reached out to so-and-so, who was a site director running another one of the sites for a completely different partner. But I see them on the stack ranking and I reached out to say, hey, one, congratulations, because I know how hard I'm working, how well my team is. I know how hard you and your team must be working to be where you are. But I also wouldn't have picked our brain. And to me, when I want to build that partnership, it's not just me and you, client to vendor or client to partner, it's across the entire organization. There has to be alignment across the board. So the stack ranking is a perfect example of a best practice. I would use also, you know, if we were rolling something new out, I would always try, for me, I had key executives I would reach out to, to say, look, years ago, used to have a straight traditional price per minute contract with all of our partners. And it doesn't matter if you're on the top of the stack ranking or bottom of the stack ranking, everyone got paid 
the same or got paid their same price for a minute. But I wanted to move to a more pay for performance model. But as I was thinking it through, I reached out to my partners and to the key executives to say, I'm thinking about going to a pay for performance. Do you have any clients that use one today that you work with? If I go that direction, what would you want to see in there? So it fits you as well as will suit me with help us achieving our goals. I wanted us, it was raising expectations um, for the team. I wanted, if we're going to hit those raised expectations, everyone to participate and be rewarded for achieving those higher expectations. So wanting to move and change, it was going to be a drastic change. But because I started engaging, and when I say engaging, it was a key, one key leader at probably two or three different partners, but they were folks who understood the partner side of the business. There are folks who are giving me clear perspective, but when I went to roll it out, there wasn't surprise. They knew that I had been thinking about it and was rolling, um, was ready to roll out a new model that was took a lot of trust, but they had say along the way. Yeah, we're we're seeing more of that in the industry today. And and I think it's it's taken on a bit of a different moniker in, in the moniker of uh, value-based pricing, right? So is there uh, is there a formula where we can we can change our pricing model based on the value we can bring to your organization, right? So it turns out, as you look at it, as, as you calculate some of these things, it's almost an ROI type of formula, right? Um, right? If we can bring more value, if we can bring more results, we should be compensated at a higher level. So yeah, I, I love that idea. And I love um, being able to even test it with some partners, right? To, to see how that works and see what the results are. And um, you know, you guys develop such a great relationship with your partners that you probably have folks, you know, wanting to, to do those types of things. The, the relationship yeah. are, um, you guys did a great job at, at um, providing additional opportunity for partners that performed well. And that was also a, a huge motivator. Which goes back to the stack ranking, understanding sites when we had in, Here's, I think it's a best practice, but I think it's a fair, fair practice. Um, but back to stack ranking, even when you ask like for partnerships, and I talk about open communication, talk about transparency for the good and for the bad. If I knew Q2, beginning of Q3 next year, I needed to close down one or two call centers. And I was going to close them down because whether it was performance, whether it was just business had changed. That's part of this industry. Happens all the time. But I I tried to give as much notice to my partners as I could in those situations because I knew, Miguel, if I called out to you and call, gave you a call to say, hey, June, six months from now, probably going to look to close this site. Here's the reason why I'm going to do that. It gives you time to be able to go talk to your other clients to find a replacement for them. And I, to me, it was trying to create that win-win scenario. There was also time that said, hey, let's work. To, it didn't go out and communicate that with the site director with throughout the teams, but with the key leader that I worked with, with each partner. And I thought to me that was, I know the feedback I always received was there was a sense of appreciation because it allowed folks to go, okay, I know that now I can go soft for it. Whereas if you called me, 
30 days or 90 days, whatever the contract said before, it's going to create more challenges. And with the size of some of the call centers that we have, um, it's going to create impossible um, solutions. Yeah. And, and I, I think you used a couple of words that are, I think are, are critically important in managing partner relationships. One was the transparency. The other is communication. And maybe if I add even a third one, it was accountability, right? And um, you guys were amazing in the way that you communicated and were transparent. Um, and I love that you did it. You did it in the form of annual kickoff meetings. And those annual kickoff mm-hmm. meetings, um, it was it was very informational. So you guys would give us information on the strategy for the coming year. Um, you'd make sure that every site, be it a domestic site, global site, if they weren't at the annual meeting in 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 Seattle, there was sort of sub meetings that would be held in those local sites. But I remember being at some of them, and and you know we would see some a site in Jamaica or a site in Costa Rica or you know different sites around the world, and and the teams were there. And those teams were, in many cases, awarded for the great service that they were providing to your customers. But um, again, just really excited about that. But tell us a little bit about those meetings and how those meetings really helped in driving the uh, the partner management strategy. Probably my favorite meeting of the year, Miguel, hands down, was that annual kickoff meeting in it evolved. You had been part of those on the, in the early days where there was probably 50 of us in a room and it evolved. I think the last one was almost 275 wow. um, individuals that we had. And we would invite um, key leaders from each of our partners. We would invite our site directors um, for each one of our global care sites. We would invite internal, whether it's our site directors or senior managers with our internal sites. We'd invite my entire team, um, as well as key executives from the company. And the objective was multiple. One, wanted to create alignment, kickoff, right? It was, here's the year, 2023. Here's what we want to accomplish in 2023. Here's how we want to accomplish it in 2023. Here's what we need from each of you. Of course, we started you know, the meetings with a lot of recognition and celebration for the previous years, partner side, internal side, to recognize where we are going. The And we also spent, usually the first day was built to say, hey, let's celebrate last year. Let's start, then turn and shift to where we want to go this year. And then day two was, how are we going to get there? And let's start building out those plans together. And that's where a lot of the collaboration took place in brainstorming. You know, we would ha- intentionally have tables where directors would be from our internal teams, from different partners um, sitting together, brainstorming on how we were going to help and achieve our ultimate objectives. The other thing that for me, Miguel, is I wanted people buying into our brand. I wanted them to be part of our brand. I wanted them to feel like they were part of something special. And we, that, we wanted to attract top talent. We wanted that top talent to stay with us and be able to go back and build our culture, our brand within each one of their locations when they could. And those kickoff meetings, um, they were so much fun. They're so, and I think to me, the fun wasn't just the celebration, the excitement, it was seeing everyone together, but it was also knowing 
like we would leave, arms were locked that, hey, it didn't matter what the goals were that we rolled out for the year. We left there. We're going to achieve those together. I, I remember every time we would finish, I'd, I'd be on the phone with, with my team and I was so excited. And I'm like, I was the one going back to the organization and just bringing that excitement. And, you know, one of the things that, Mark, I think you and I discussed this last time we had a conversation, it, it made us feel like we were all on one team. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember sitting across the table from what I would normally consider my competitor. And they were sharing ideas, best practices. We were sharing them back. Um, you know, if they were stack ranked above us, we were asking them, hey, how is that you guys are doing it? What are you doing differently? And it was just such a great um, collaboration. Um, and I think so many companies that have large outsourced environments like this um, don't create that level of, of team and, and camaraderie between the different um, really partners, I, I guess is the best way. Again, going back to the beginning of our, of our conversation. <laughs> I, I, that, that just, Miguel, like such a huge smile for me to hear like the collaboration, but you also, because you had been a great partner of ours for years, know like it didn't start that way, right? It takes trust. And I remember early on, early on, and I think you guys hosted one of our first business reviews, quarterly business reviews. We brought we decided to do change it up and we're going to do a business review, all of our partners together in the same room at the same time. And I remember debriefing with our team afterwards and it, we had wanted it to be exactly what you described, which was, Hey, let's everyone, Hey, come tell us what are the challenges that you're facing? Let's solve for those together. But nobody wanted in front of their competitor. I'm not going to air out my dirty laundry. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to tell you what's going well, but it's going to be a little hard for me to go too deep. But it that's we knew where we wanted to go. We couldn't get to the point where the full-blown collaboration and openness was going to happen the first try. We had to start from a trust perspective. We had to start with open communication coming from our end with our key leaders, because we knew if we did it with the key leaders, it would trickle down throughout the organization. And if we did that, because at the end of the day, on the business reviews, my objective is when I went in is how are we all going to leave better than when we started that meeting? I wanted to know, like, how did the last quarter go? What were the successes that you had? What practices that you put in place that worked? What were the challenges that you faced? And what's your plan to achieve your objectives now? But most importantly, what do you need from me to help support you to achieve the objectives? And sometimes it was policies that I had in place, practices that I had put in place. And I wanted to hear that, which was, to me, there was dual ownership and accountability in there that it was okay. And I had to get, it took me a while to ask that. It took me a while to get folks comfortable to be able to say, Mark, you're you're the roadblock. Um, here's what we need for you to help us remove that roadblock. And that's going to help us by doing that and being open and then following through, help build that trust that created that openness. To you at the kickoff, sharing with peers. To me, hearing a site director calling another site director with a completely different company to, hey, congrats, love what you're doing. I'm going to try and catch you one of these days, but can you help me give give me some of your best practices? Yeah, I I do remember the first ones being a little more um, closed. (laughs) And 
um, you're right. I mean, it, it took a little bit of time to get there, but um, I think probably by the second or third one, um, the openness was there. And I think a lot of the people were very comfortable in uh, sharing. And, and, you know, frankly, I, I developed some great relationships with some of the other partners that I, you know, I still cherish and, and, and have today. So uh, that was great for us. Um, Mark, I just change subjects in you a little bit. Um, you guys did something which is, is really incredible as well. And that is you were able to, on, on multiple years, um, get the JD Power Award in, a, in an environment where you were um, fairly heavily outsourced. You were using um, you know, parts of the world that in, in some cases typically are more of a challenge for, uh, for customer satisfaction. Yet you guys, time and time again, um, just knocked it out of the park and, and were, if not at the top, uh, near the top of J.D. Power year after year. And um, just some thoughts around um, what were some of the things that allowed you to get there? What were some of the characteristics of the partners that you thought were important? And then maybe some of the things that you did as a, as a partner management organization to help drive some of this. Yeah, there's, we, um, yeah, we went a lot. Um, and it was exciting because that was, as we had, as you know, with the kickoffs, you know, part of the objective there was, you know, not just alignment for the upcoming year, but the celebration to what we accomplished the previous year. And we were winning award after award. We had incredible internal teams, um, on the global care side, though, like we also played a big role. Um, and wouldn't have won if we didn't have any incredible partners that we had. And that partnerships, like I talk a lot about, like from me and my team on the global care, as well as with, you know, our each of our partners that we outsourced with. But it also, you know, was there between our internal teams and our global care teams that helped support each other because we knew our global care teams could pick up the phone and call. Um, one of our internal site directors, and they could get some best practices for them. We were all in it together. And if you remember what I said, you know, the ultimate objective for the kickoff for me was I wanted everyone to buy into the brand and I wanted them to buy into the culture. And that ultimate came out to delivering the best customer experience that we could for customers as well as for our employees. And to me, that's the benefit of having a building partnerships is or the collaboration that happens. And I never walked into a business review. I never walked into a kickoff. I never walked into a conference room visiting one of our CECs thinking I had all the answers or I needed to have all the answers, especially when we were trying to solve because I knew I had great partners that if I went there with, hey, here's the objectives and what we're trying to achieve, Let's start brainstorming on how we can do it together. Then I was going to get some terrific ideas. And if somebody was running an organization that didn't feel like they could go to their partners and get good ideas, probably need the question, do I have the right partners? Sure. And have I fostered the right environment to get the right ideas? Because to me, it was, look, we, I wanted everyone to buy into what we wanted to achieve and the best way is to know where we're going, but also have say in how we're going to get there. And at the end of the day, you know, it was my job to set the vision and direction we were going. 
but I wanted to have collaboration on how we were going to get there. And that to me was pretty darn exciting to be able to have that in what that resulted in year after year improvements, year after year in success. We won award after award. We didn't just win. We won by a lot. In most of those awards, it wasn't even close with our competitors. Awesome. You, you mentioned something that uh, usually makes Alicia smile, and that is the brand. Um, Alicia's built her company, Brand Ethos, around the brand and, and the importance of the brand. So I know that um, resonates extremely well with, with us as well. You saw my smile when he said that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I saw that as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I hit one. One, um, one other thing, you, you've mentioned your team and, and the team that you had in the, in the partner management organization. What was the, the makeup of that team? I mean, for the folks that are listening and are, are, are thinking about how they're going to set up their organization going forward um, to drive success and drive accountability and drive the brand, um, what, what did that team look like? Yeah, Miguel, it for the partnerships to work and to be effective, there needs to be alignment. And that alignment needs to be throughout entire organization, operations teams, support teams. And it needs to be on my side, client side, as well as on the partner side. And for us, one of the things that probably about four or five years ago, I spent a lot of time looking at how we were structured as an organization and how we supported our partners and asked myself as a team, are we in the best position to support the partners? And there's ways for us to structure ourselves differently. And we took a step back and we realigned. And what we wanted to make sure was that there was clear alignment, what we're trying to achieve, but most importantly, within my team, each person's role and responsibility within that organization and who your key customer was on the partner side. So as the VP running global care, for me, it was the key leaders um, within each of the organization. It might be the C-levels, the EVPs, SVPs that owned the relationship with us. And that was a lot strategy conversations, high-level conversations. Here's where we want to go. The directors on my team aligned with the site directors, the regional VPs on the global care partners. And that, again, they aligned to talk through, hey, what are the objectives? How are we going to achieve? What are the plans that we have in place? Do we have the right plans in place? And then from there, we had senior managers that were assigned one site for a senior manager. And their object, they aligned very closely with the senior managers and site directors. And then our managers aligned with the support managers as well as with the ops managers. So we wanted to make sure that each person, and there wasn't overlap. And if I was going to roll something out, Miguel, that was going to be new to the partners, you know, I would align with my team, my team being myself and the directors, senior directors that were on my team. Then my next call would be with the key leaders. Um, for each one of the partners. And I would do that collectively with all of them. And then the next call immediately after that would be with my entire team, my managers on the glo- my global care side, all the way up through myself 
to go through what I was rolling out. And then the next call after that would be with my entire team, all the key leaders in all the site directors, senior managers and managers on the global care side, on the partner side. And the whole objective is I wanted to make sure there was everyone understood and heard it directly from me, where we're going, how we're going to get there and what their roles and responsibilities were going to be. I also restructured the team to make sure that our team was in a position to be able to support the sites and be able to provide feedback. We want to, we always wanted to find a balance. We wanted to be there to provide the support, but we didn't want to get in the way. Um, and when we looked at the stack ranking, that stack ranking, I looked at it and had those conversations when I did business reviews on my side with just my team. And are just no different than as we wanted to do on the partner side, it allowed us to distinguish what's the difference. And I if I was going to have conversations with somebody who's was supporting the site that was at the bottom or one of the lowest ranked sites that we had, I needed to make sure they're in a position to influence and has a positive impact on their results. Did that answer the question? Absolutely, Mark. That was that was perfect. And, and you know, it, it definitely was one of the areas where um, I think you guys did a great job even during the, the annual kickoffs in reviewing the information, reviewing the areas where, um, where J.D. Power sort of thought there was an opportunity versus areas where there was already some significant strengths. And that was really helpful, I think, when you look at, at your partners and how they would focus um, going forward for the year. So that was extremely helpful. So, Mark, thank you so much for um, some of the great insight. And um, as we always do, and in wrapping up here with our podcast today, you and I have actually shared quite a few great meals. Um, I think I can probably say literally around the world. And um, was just, uh, again, in closing off our, our, our podcast today, um, want to ask of your favorite restaurant. And I might, because uh, I think we had a few in the Philippines, might ask for you to try to pick one in the Philippines. that. Uh, that really was one of your favorite places uh, to have dinner. Miguel, it, it's hard to pick just one in the Philippines because there are some incredible restaurants. And I was blown away, pleasantly surprised with some incredible steakhouses in the Philippines. And I'm pretty sure you and I have been probably more than once to cruise in at the Marriott. Yes. And we probably went there before when the it was just the Marriott. Now that whole area has blown out and grown significantly by the airport. But it I loved that steakhouse. It felt like when I ate there, it's going to get as big or as big as good of a steak as I was <laughs> going to find anywhere in the world. Absolutely outstanding. So yeah. No, that, that is yeah, a, that yeah. Is a needed choice. my bigger belt after yeah. after eating there. That is a great choice. Yeah, um, I too uh, am very fond of that of that restaurant, and um, I haven't been. Back I'm trying to think where there was one. What the other? Well, I'm naming ones, Miguel, because folks are going to think all we did was eat and gamble. Um, that was over at Salaire. That we went to as well. That was incredible. Incredible. 
and I, I it slips my mind at this point in time. But it, also, there's a. I will have to look at it. We may have to put it in the uh, comments of the podcast for the rest of the folks um, if they're planning on on going out to the Philippines anytime soon. I have not been back actually, Mark, for um, I want to say three or four years. So I'm uh, I'm I'm due to get out there. In fact, I have a client. Um, bringing up a new site in January. So I'm uh, hoping to uh, be able to get back out to the Philippines. It's been a while for me. It was February, 2020. Okay. Like the last week of January, first couple of days, February, 2020, this thing called COVID was hearing about it as I was going through Narita. Everybody was starting to wear masks. As a matter of fact, when we went to the Philippines at the end of January, folks were wearing masks on the way back. Seven, 10 days later, yeah. probably 75% of people wear masks. You were probably out there doing your annual kickoffs. So <laughs> it was, um, I think it was right before the annual kickoff. Um, the timing wor- had worked out. It was an incredible visit, it, incredible visit, as they all are. Awesome. The culture, the people, the team that we had, just so blessed. Awesome. awesome. Well, you kind of make me want to have a steak for dinner, but in the U.S., <laughs> not in the Philippines. <laughs> but that's awesome. It's really, uh, you know, really the passion that you have um, for your trademark is is fantastic. And obviously, you sing my my song with brand and culture. So this has been super informative, um, and I really appreciate your time, Miguel. Any other closing thoughts? No, Mark. Again, thank you so much for sharing some of your thoughts and some of your experience with us. Um, Really appreciate it. And I know the the listeners of the podcast well as well. So that wraps up another episode of CX on Point with Miguel Ramos. Until next time, we will see you soon.